This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Live from the Fireside app, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and how are you building a happier life? My method? I've been doing it by ignoring my future, but apparently that's not the correct approach. According to the BBC, taking time to think about future you is the key to a happier tomorrow. Who knew? To help us do just that, we welcome certified financial planner, Jason Hollenquist. Also, joining us from LenPenzo.com, the ghost of Len Penzo's future, Len Penzo. We also have a woman whose life couldn't get any happier, Paula Pant. And now, a guy who's here to help you not only think about, but build your happy future, Joe Saul Sihai. And let me be the first one to welcome you all to the weekend. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Saul Sihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter and Not only welcome to the weekend, welcome to the Stacky Benjamin Show, our live weekly show on the Fireside app. Join us when we make these. It's every uh, Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You do the math on where you are, which which makes it more fun for us, by the way. We get a little Friday in our Monday as we're recording. And let's say hello to everybody joining us, by the way. Let's start off with the uh, woman in New York City. The voice of the Afford Anything podcast, Paula Pant, is here. I am here, and I love that intro that I could not possibly get any happier. Could you? I mean, I will say yes, I could, not because I'm unhappy, but because I believe in boundless possibility. On a scale of 1 to 11, Paula, how happy are you? Oh, I would... (laughs) 
I would give it, I, I'd say I'm usually at least an 8.5. Doug, Paula wouldn't even <laughs> understand that reference. The uh, She didn't. No. She didn't oh. get it. No. But I love how she put a decimal there? in there. I do. Like just... <laughs> 8.7. Having 11 choices wasn't enough. Two, she has to four. have four. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. Now, Paula, your happiness goes all the way to 11, right? That's from uh, Spinal Tap. Absolutely. Yes. And the man actually, uh, true story behind the movie Spinal Tap, Len Penzo is here. Joe, how are you, my friend? Or probably not a true story. That's not a true story, is it? No, that's not. What, Spinal Tap? Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Well, no, that you're, well, that's <laughs> true. that you're the man behind Spinal Tap. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, maybe not. And, and, based my, on and, my amp, and my amplifiers did not go to eleven, despite uh, what you saw on Spinal Tap. And I despite you got them. And despite you trying, when you had a band back when you and I were younger, you had a rock and roll band. I sure did. Yeah, that was the uh, the relics. Yes, indeed, for uh, uh, several years actually. Yeah, great great times hey, then. Just, you know, we got to hurry though, because you know what? I've got uh, it's it's St. Patty's Day's coming up here, and I'm. Uh, I got to get back to making my green beer. On the, uh, <laughs> How do you do? Do you just laundry. put the food coloring in it or do you have a different way of making the green beer or do I not want to know? I don't know. You, do, you <laughs> there, they're a process. No, you don't want to know. It's best if you don't know. Yeah. The, the green beer from the bunker. And by the way, the guy who's got a rock and roll financial planning practice. How about that for an introduction coming to us all the way from St. Cloud, Minnesota. It's our friend, Jason Hollenquist. Jason, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Just glad to be here. It's about time we got you on the show. You and I have been talking about this, I think, for probably four or five months, haven't we? Yeah. This is something I've been looking forward to ever since you extended the invites. So I've, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, and I'm super happy not just to have you here, but to have you here talking about this topic that, about mindfulness, because I know what a big part of your practice that is, having some mindful financial planning. But your practice isn't just you. Tell everybody about your financial planning firm. Well, we've got five certified financial planners on staff and about 13 team members in total. And so we're serving about 350 households and 26 retirement plans with about 1,600 participants. So we're busy just uh, trying to do the right thing and help people uh, grow their financial wealth and become financially independent. Yeah, I think uh, your client's happiness, you try to make that go to 11, don't you? Absolutely. That's uh, <laughs> that's the goal. It's, the way to keep long-term clients is make sure they're uh, they're happy. It, it, it's amazing, all the work. And by the way, we'll link to some YouTube videos, which are kind of an introduction to Jason's whole firm. But we're lucky. We got Jason here today. We got Paula. We got Len. We got Doug. We're going to talk about the future you and planning for your future self and what a difference this makes when you actually do it mindfully. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh God. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. All right, let's get this party started. Today's piece comes to us from the BBC, as Doug mentioned earlier. We found this incredibly fascinating and wanted to dive into it more. Uh, It's from a segment of the BBC uh, uh, called Work Life. What is work life? What do they do? Uh, This is written by David Robson. And the piece says, we should think more about whom will be in the future because doing so has profound consequences for our health, our happiness, and our financial security. And and let's start off, Paula, with you. Have you spent, I know that we all daydream, right, about who we're going to be in the future, but have you spent any real mindful time thinking about yourself a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? No, I have not. Um, and I think the reason is it's so hard. In the past, whenever I have overly lived in the future, I've failed to predict all of the many ways that both opportunities and priorities would shift. And I think a large piece of that is that relationships are very important, both in in business, in life, you know, relationships of all forms, and they open a lot of doors for you and you never know who you're going to meet and you never know where that's going to lead. You put too many guardrails on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You don't take advantage of serendipity. Exactly. Exactly. How about that? I use the thousand dollar word serendipity. I like that word. It's a nice word. Jason, what Paula talks about, about living in the future, you know, something that I found to be a problem with me when I was a financial planner, like you are, my friend, is I found myself always living in the future and I never lived in the present. Do you find you have that problem where you're spending so much time helping other people play and you're not living enough for today? No, I think you're spot on with that one. I am constantly thinking about what the future might be like and yeah, trying to find time or just enjoy the moment. Uh, We have our phrase, plan your tomorrow and enjoy your today. And I think sometimes I use that statement and I encourage people to think about that statement, but I have to kind of remind myself to do the same and focus on enjoying the day. And while you're busy helping other people plan, you know, for the future, do you, have you done this mindful exercise of looking at yourself a year out, five years out, 10 years out and imagining where you'll be and who you'll be? You know, uh, I deer hunt. And so when I'm sitting up in the deer stand for days on end, hours and some years, never seen a single thing moving through the woods. I've been, I journal. And so I will write out some, uh, some goals, things that I want to see myself in one, three, five, ten years. And then I started at one point, I put my ages of my kids when, you know, one, three, five and 10 years. And I had a goal out there that, Hey, I'm going to take my kids to Disney. And I thought, oh, that's a 10-year goal. And then when I started putting their ages, I'm like, my daughter's 19. She's not going to want to go to Disney with me then. So, you know, you start to have to like, I got to accelerate that goal for a shorter time period. So, yeah, I'm kind of constantly looking out into the future. And we do, we take our clients through an exercise just to have them vision for the future. Because I think if people don't have a clear vision of where they want to be in the future, it's hard to make 
uh, actionable changes today in order to get where they want to be down the road. Well, and I'm going to circle back to that here in just a few minutes because these studies in this piece definitely agree with you. Uh, but first, let's get Len's take. Len, have, have have you imagined yourself one, five, ten years into the future? I have. And before I get into that, I, I just want to, hey, Jason, here's a friendly tip that I, it works for me. If you put like a 50-pound bag of corn down right below that deer stand, you won't have to wait there as long. So things can get I'm done. I'm going to try better. that. Yeah, try that. Works really good. All right. Okay. Don't tell the DNR though, okay? It's like if the, I was gonna <laughs> say it's like if they if you put if you put pizza outside the door that Doug's at, he all of a sudden goes to the pizza. I'm gonna have, well, a, I'm you gonna have, have the California game wardens here at my door after after this after they hear this. What was the question? <laughs> yeah, do you look at yourself? Well, I was gonna tell Jason Len what I was gonna tell Jason was maybe he'd see a deer if he didn't have his head in a journal the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll work. <laughs> you got to actually look up one, five, and ten yes, years into the future. Yes, you, you know what? I always have. I've always had the big plan. Um, I've always been that way. When I, I'll be honest, Joe. When I first started reading this, the first couple paragraphs I was in, I was like, "Oh my god, this is another one of these," you know, philosophical. And I was really. I was like dreading finishing reading it. But as I went into this, this was really excellent. It was really an excellent piece. So um, I totally agree with this. I've, I'm one of those people that I've, I've always looked into the future. I've, I've set a plan. I've known exactly what I've wanted to do. And I've kind of brought this up with my kids as they were growing up. I've always said, hey, you've got to do things in order in life. At your young age, try and put things in order. So, you know, you want your education first, then you got to picture yourself having a career. Once you get that career, then you can focus on getting married. And then after you get married, then you can focus on having kids. And if you do things in that particular order, you know, your, your financial life will go much easier. And it's, that all kind of feeds back into looking into the future. And that makes, that makes life easier for you if you can plan out in advance. Well, let's talk about this because I'm like you. When I first started reading about this, I'm like, oh, really? Future thinking? You know, Jason talking about as a planner working with his clients on this. I remember working with my clients some on this and, you know, part of you thinks, oh, this is just a bunch of woo-woo stuff, which I know was probably what you were thinking, Len. But what changed your mind? Tell me about what about this piece and what, let's start diving into the science here, really changed your thought process. Actually, it was just, it was some of the things where I was resonating with me. It was saying that the people who did think into the future, they had better financial behavior. They had, and that's because they could picture themselves in the future. And I think they, they could see, and I'm agreeing with this because it's me too. They didn't want to see themselves in a bad position later in life. You know, they worried about where they were going to be later in life. And I think most of your listeners by now know I'm super risk averse and I'm always, I'm to a fault, to a fault I'm risk averse. And that's why I, it's because I look in the future and I'm always worried. And so I always want to try and make things as good for me in the future as possible. And that kind of forced me to be good in the present and do the right things in the present financially and otherwise. Yeah. Let's walk into this. And this is the science behind this piece. Everybody studies show that when we save for the future, most of us think about it 
as if we're saving for a stranger. We don't even think that it is us, which makes it very hard for most people to save for something like retirement. We have this uh, uh, barrier in our brain where when I put money aside in our 401k or wherever we're going to save for it, uh, we don't even think that this is our money. We're saving for somebody else. Originally, it was a philosopher like uh, Joseph Butler in the 18th century, it says here in this piece, and he was wrote this in 1736. He said, if the self or person of today and that of tomorrow are not the same, but only like persons, the person of today is really no more interested in what will befall the person of tomorrow than in what will befall any other person, aka we think we're a stranger. Later expanded and championed by British philosopher Derek Parfit, caught the attention of a researcher, Hal Hirschfield. And Hirschfield said it was a compelling idea. He's an associate professor of marketing, behavioral decision-making, and psychology at the University of California, Los Angeles. And he then began digging into into this, showing that if we look at ourselves in the future and we're asked to look at ourselves in the future, as far as six months from now, six months from now, we start to have this disconnect between who we are and it being a stranger. Does that surprise you, Paula, that it's very hard for us to look at ourselves more than six months in the future and not think of it as if it's a different person? No, that does not surprise me at all. Um, you know, really for everything that I talked about previously, like that the further into the future that you go, the more your life changes and the more your life changes, the easier it is to start thinking of that as a different person, like present you and future you just being different people, right? Well, in fact, what's funny is that they show here that they had people when it comes to long-term planning, they showed them pictures of Andrea Merkel, the, 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 the German politician and Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel. Thank you. And they showed that, uh, the way people's brainwaves worked, when you got past a couple of years out, people imagined that they were her. Like like when they looked at themselves in the future, they imagined her over themselves. I mean, it, it, it goes to show the disconnect, right? It, it goes to show the lack of that continuity, the lack of viewing your future self as an iteration of your present self. Jason, when you're helping clients with this, how far in the future do you look with them? You know, we usually spend time just first getting a snapshot of where they are today. And then we start taking their current savings and stuff and projecting those out to the future, like through retirement, all the way out to death. And many times when you illustrate all that out and you use some reasonable rate of return and some other things, people are usually stunned. They have no idea they're going to accumulate that much wealth or they're going to be in uh, some particular circumstance. So I agree. I don't think people really can foresee themselves as to where they might be, but that's, we spend a lot of energy trying to help people imagine what things could look like and what they'd be able to accomplish if they just took certain steps today. Well, but, and this isn't even about savings and showing the savings amount going up, Jason, this is about just envisioning yourself, like thinking about what will you look like? Where will you be? What are the things you're going to do? We see that person is a stranger. I'm wondering if you look at that, like have them draw pictures of where they're going to live or anything. You know, I've, I have not really done anything like that. I, I had attended a, a seminar once where they actually had you cut out pictures of the uh, type of house you want to live in, the type of car you want to live in. They make you, and you have a dream board and you just keep those pictures in front of you. And I, from that, I took a picture of a, a snowmobile that I always thought I wanted. And, you know, a couple of years later, I ended up owning that snowmobile. So I do think the more you lock into what you want things to look like, the more apt you are. Kind of funny story though. I was just down in um, on vacation down in Aruba, 
and you're on the beaches and there's people that are all different ages and you can tell the people that have been down there for months and I'm looking at these people's bodies and I'm like, what am I going to look like when I'm 70 years old and I've been sitting on a beach for three weeks? I'm like, oh my gosh, I better do start doing something today. <laughs> You're going to have to work on that. But Doug, did you like what Jason yeah. just flexed saying he just went to Aruba? That's prof- that's a professional move right there, that Jason. Was. I was impressed with how you just slid that in. By the way, that time I was in Aruba, good times. Uh, listen to this. Not only... Does this help your financial planning? Said in one experiment, the participants were presented with various scenarios in which they could either receive a smaller award soon or a larger reward later. As expected, participants who felt a greater connection to the future were much more willing to delay their gratification, wait for the bigger sum. And then they checked it with their financial planning and it turned out people that had a better connection to the future were also people that had higher real life savings. But not only that, Len, I'm going to go back to you. Does this surprise you? He found also that people's future self-continuity can predict their exercise behaviors and their overall fitness. If you can imagine yourself in the future, if Jason can imagine himself in the future, Len, he can imagine himself sitting on the beach with a six pack in Aruba 10 years from now. Six pack on the side of him or the six pack or where? Well, for me, it's a six pack on the side. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say where the six pack was, did I? (laughs) Oh, it's supposed to be there. That is, that is absolutely true. Again, I mean, what we're pointing out here basically is it is important. I know if you, a lot of people, most people don't look at the future probably, but if you can picture yourself in the future and picture where you want to be in the future, set goals, you'll really make, I think it really helps you in the long run as this article and these studies show you. I mean, it, it, you just naturally want to improve yourself. I think most people do. They want to be in a better position in the future than they are today. And But if you don't do that exercise by looking into the future, I can easily see how you can neglect your health or your future financial situation down the road. So, I mean, this really is, it's really is very important to do that exercise. And, and I think the important thing here is setting the goals. That's kind of what I referred to in the beginning with my kids is saying, Hey, you want to do things in order. You don't have to necessarily say when you want those things done, but they've got to be done in a particular order, but have some sort of plan and stretch it out and, and, you know, there's no right answer. Plans can change over time too, but you got to get started. You got to put something down as a baseline. Paula, on on that note, uh, I mean, it shows other things. People who scored highly on the future self-continuity measure have higher moral standards than the people who struggle to identify with their future self, less likely to cheat on tests because they, they recognize the consequences of those actions. But to your point earlier, there's this disconnect, right? Everything in this piece we're talking about today shows that this is very helpful. And yet we fear giving up serendipity. Is there a way to marry the two? I would say you picturing a future and picturing yourself in a future that is directionally appropriate when it comes to principles and values, but nonspecific when it comes to details. So for example, directionally appropriate and anchored in principles and values would mean uh, potentially that you are debt free or that you only have like very reasonable levels of debt, such as mortgage debt. It might mean that you that you have a six pack, uh, you know, either way, right? Um, Right. You know, it might mean that you like 
you go into your 40s really strong so that you you go into your 40th birthday super strong and healthy so that you have a better chance of going into your 50th birthday super strong and healthy so that you have a better chance of going into your 60th strong and healthy, right? Like directionally accurate is strong and healthy because who doesn't want to be that ever? There's never going to be a time in your life when you're like, geez, I regret being so healthy. Um, and so, so anchoring that, I think anchoring your future self to those principles, those values, that direction with, but being nonspecific about, you know, does the, the daily practice of health, does that come from martial arts? Does it come from weightlifting? Does it come from swimming? I mean, who knows, who knows what interests you're going to pick up or, uh, let go of over the years. I was reading about health and wellness just a couple of days ago, and people who lost more than 50 pounds reported that they were much more likely to lose the weight, and they lost weight when they were thinking about health and wellness, not about weight loss. So it seems to me, Paula, that what you're saying is is right on, like putting together this vision of who I am in the future versus thinking about, hey, I'm going to lose you know 10 pounds in the next X amount of time was the key to winning. Mm. And and that makes sense because then it really is about a lifestyle and it is about, you know, putting into practice the daily habits and, uh, you know, routine choices that lead to being the person that you want to be. Like the, the life that you have today is the the consequence of of all of these trailing decisions that you made months and years in the past. In uh, just a few minutes, we're going to do the second piece of this discussion. Now that we built the case for looking at yourself in the future, we're going to talk more about exactly what should we do? Because this piece also gives you some exercises that maybe you should do. We're going to tackle those. But first, coming up before that, our trivia segment. It's time for our year-long trivia competition. For those of you new to the Stacking Benjamin Show, we have a competition between my uh, co-host OG, who has the day off today, and our friend Jason will be playing on behalf of OG, and Paula and Len. Uh, So between the three of them, we're going to find out who's going to take home the prize this week. But the true prize is this absolutely awful trophy that we have at the at the uh, end of the year. And Jason, playing on behalf of OG means there's good news and there's bad news. Which one would you like first? I'll take the good news, please. The good news is, is you get to guess last, my friend, which is the bad news, which is OG's in last place. He and you have two points. Paula Pant somehow finds herself tied for first. I don't know how this happened. She has three and Len has three. So Jason, you and OG can move up into a three-way tie if you're able to nail today's question. And Doug, I know that you, sir, have today's question for us. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Man, I've been I've been trying to plan for my future. I remember you know, back as a broke college student at Southwest Bahama State Technical Institute and Beauty School, my future looked golden. But now, with all this inflation, it's hard to make a plan. I mean, I mean, it's it's even National Johnny Appleseed Day, and I can barely celebrate. 
I'm not buying apples. I can barely afford to smell the apple spice candles at Target. And Lord knows I can't afford all those cool Apple products. Remember when that first iPod was released? What it felt like to watch someone else play with theirs? You, you probably just remember that you couldn't afford it. And not because you were a broke college student who blew your money on wine coolers and Bob Marley posters, but because you were, you know, investing. Yeah, that's it. You were investing. So my question is, how much did the very first Apple iPod cost? I'll be back with the answer after I listen to No Woman, No Cry on my first edition iPod, which I finally bought last year. Fantastic. He finally got a hold of one. It's probably uh, a collector's item now, which is amazing. Len is the returning champion. You get to go first, my friend. Well, actually, OG is the returning champion, but you're the closest to, to champion between well, okay. you and- We can pretend I'm the returning champion. <laughs> between you and Paula, you've won more recently. So that original iPod, what did that cost? Yeah, I'm pretty sure of this one just because I think I've told the story. I think this was- Boy, this was right around 2000, 2001. I, I had bought one of those 400 CD changers. They weighed about 10 pounds, and they were about as big as a, as a small refrigerator. <laughs> yes. Remember those things? Yes, I do and, remember them. And, and it'd be like, oh, I'm going to have a party, you know, and I, I can I – can You put all the CDs DJ. in. Yeah, you put all the CDs, all 400 CDs in the thing. It's a carousel, and it would go around, and it would change. Oh, my God. I think, and, and I paid for that. I think I paid uh, – I don't know. Four or five hundred dollars for that thing in in two thousand or right around that there, and then right after I bought it, I swear to God, not it was like five months after I bought that thing, the iPod came out, and it was <laughs> oh my god, <gosh>, so irritated. <laughs> Which I got, then I was like, okay, well I'll get the iPod too. But what a pain. oh, I was so mad. I had this then I had this big boat anchor in my house with four hundred CDs in it. Anyways, and I'm pretty sure I paid close to $400 for that. So I, and I'm going to, I'm pretty sure it was 400 or, but it was probably knock a dollar off because they, everything's 99. So I'll say 399, 399, Paula Pant. What do you think? Oh, I'm not used to going second. This, uh, I know. Welcome to the new, to the new territory. How does this feel, Paula? It's it's weird. It's weird. It it, it totally disrupts my strategy. <laughs> oh, you had a, all these years. You had a strategy. We had, I know. I we know, had right? no idea. I'm just gonna throw a dart at a number and go with two fifty. Two fifty. All right, Jason. We got three ninety nine. We got two hundred fifty dollars. What are you thinking, my friend? Well, I, it was really helpful listening to Len process the uh, the numbers, and I thought the price <laughs> might have been a little bit lower. Um, but I'm thinking it's probably somewhere between Paula and Len, so I'm gonna go. Um, I'm going. Uh, let's see here, three fifty. Three fifty. Try to get the middle there. All right. Yep. We got them locked and loaded. Jason's got $350 for the first iPod. Paula, $250. Len, $399. We would love to tell you who's right, but we don't play that way. We will be right back. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. 
Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. It's the end of the week, stackers. And if by the end of the week, everything that you had neatly organized on Monday is no longer neatly organized, well, one thing that you already could have together if you automated your finances is your saving and investing. And if not, don't worry because Navy Federal Credit Union can help you take the legwork out of saving and investing. They offer multiple savings products and investing options to help you get closer to your financial goals. And, and this is the important thing, you can put your money to work by automating your savings and investments. That is the key to success, stackers. Plus, they offer educational resources to help guide your decisions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. That's NavyFederal.org slash save and invest. I love the pirate thing. NavyFederal.org. Save and invest. Uh, savings products insured by NCUA. Investment options are available through Navy Federal Investment Services and are not insured by NCUA. Len, you kicked it off with $399. You feeling confident? I'm pretty sure I'm I'm pretty close because like I said, this was very, I bought that dumb 400 CD changer and it was right around the same price as that uh, iPod that uh, the first iPod. So yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty feeling pretty good. Uh, Jason might have it though. It might be 350. Mm, which means uh, Paula Lenz seems to think you're low. How are you feeling? I mean, time will tell. She's got no idea. <laughs> Jason, yeah. Jason feeling pretty confident. You kind of think Len might've been a little, uh, little rich. No, I, I guess um, I'm I'm trying to remember how much my brother paid for his bone phone that uh, back oh back I think before the iPod even came out it was just a radio that you wore around your neck and uh, but I bet that was like two hundred dollars <laughs> for that stupid thing so <laughs> the bone phone I am I cannot I can't thank you enough Jason for bringing the bone phone up because I. My older brother had one of those things, and usually you worship your big brother, right? And when he bought that, I'm like, you are a freaking idiot. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing I have ever seen. But he had to have it. It was in like this blue neoprene thing that hung around, and the concept was that the speakers were right next to a couple of bones on your neck that like transmitted the sound up into the into your ear bones and it was it was the stupidest thing ever and i've brought that up to people and they've nobody's ever heard of it you're the first person i've heard who have brought up the bow phone 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 and i love you for it man you just made my show it, it was blue too it was like yep uh, i had the same reaction my brother bought that i'm like you do what like, yeah, idiot. So I, I bet he spent 200 dollars on that so the 399 is probably a deal for an iphone yeah, 200 bucks in like 1978 or whenever that was that was like three grand today yeah, yeah. all right well jason's got 350 paula 250 lend 399 doug here we go Stackers, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. The year was 2001. 
Spice Girls ruled the land, and Apple was about to rule the music world. (laughs) At least the one in your pants. The first iPod came out with incredible marketing. A thousand songs in your pocket. I don't even want to know what else was in there. And who knows how much Steve Jobs' turtleneck cost. But the iPod he held was available for $399. And that means Paula was incredibly wrong. But Len Len wasted his money on that CD changer. But he was spot on buying that $399 iPod. Way to go, buddy. I knew that would come in handy. One, there was some good in, in buying that 400 CD changer. I feel I almost made it worth it for us to listen to your 20 minutes of thinkering and <laughs> coming up with your answer. I feel interesting to me, Doug. I, well, I feel I feel bad for Jason and Paula. The second you said 3.99, I'm like, well, that's over. That's done. And cut. The rest of this is just filler. Yes. Yes. That was kind of like the 1865 one. Whoever who came up with that one? Where I got that was the first. What year did the Civil War end or whatever? Just, and then OG just had a cow. I mean, because <laughs> I said 1865. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. I re- oh, I remember that. I totally remember that. Big time <laughs> controversy. Those are the big time controversial moments we have here on the show. Welcome to the second half of our discussion about the future you. What exactly should we do now that we know that, man, if we can marry the way we are going to feel in the future with today, it'll make it so we're not saving for a stranger. We're saving actually for ourselves, and we're much more likely to do that. We're more likely to have higher morals. We're more likely to exercise and have better fitness and health. Lots of things that happen that are good when we decide that we're going to examine our future and more than just a dreaming about it way. So let's, let's dive into this. The one thing they say to do is write a letter to your future self. So write to yourself about things that you did well and things that you wish that you had done to this point. And uh, Jason is our guest. Let's start with you, man. Uh, if you're writing a letter to future you right now, 10 years off in the future, what would that letter say? Uh, stop watching so much Netflix and put the bag of chips away earlier <laughs> in the night. But the, the Netflix can be helpful. I mean, that could be, you know, for me watching Netflix is creativity. So yeah, that, yes, sure. It's sometimes just a mental, let your brain go and just dig into something else yeah i like i like the way jason said put the chips away earlier in the day not like put the chips away (laughs) for good like don't even grab them just like look if you're going to start at eight in the morning just maybe put them away by two Oh, 8 p.m. I like those stretch goals, Jason. By 8 p.m. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. He's got 12 hours on, 12 hours off. But very seriously, if you're you're looking uh, 10 years in the future and there's some lessons that you want to make sure that 10 years from now that you remember – and that you're you're thinking about what would that letter say? You know, uh, Joe, we got to know each other from that coaching program, and I thought it was really helpful to try and put some clarity around. You know, this is what I want to be doing at some future age, and describing yourself from both a physical and a mental and a financial, and who am I spending my time with, and what am I doing? You know, to create purpose in my life, and just uh, you know describing what you want that future to be like. And so I've really enjoyed that exercise of creating that clarity because it helps you 
understand how far off you are from where you want to be. Well, it is funny you say that because I didn't even think about that, Jason, that the uh, that whole process and, and the coaching program he's talking about, we know each other from is, is called Strategic Coach that we're both in. Some very powerful coaching. But this piece that we that we're talking about today has a lot to do with an exercise our coach Gina put us through, which was imagining what year you're going to die without thinking about it much. And I wrote 83 down was the age. And then Gina asked, okay, it's a year before that. How do you want people to be thinking about you? And really, as I think about that, Jason, as I think about, I said, I want to be known as a resource for my kids. I want to be a member of my community. I want to, I want to be physically active. Like there's a half marathon that we put in uh, up here in town called the run the line half marathon. And I see people in their 70s and 80s. In fact, we just had it this weekend. The oldest runner was 79. And I would love to be that person who's still active then. But I wrote down all these things and it was super powerful marrying this future. And then, of course, there were a few other steps. But then Gina said, am I working on those things today? And I don't know, did you have, you must have had, because you brought it up, similarly, similarly, uh, uh, big things that happened, Jason, that, that you wrote down. Can you talk a little bit about what you wrote? Yeah, well, I, I said a lot of the same things. I want to be mobile. I want to, you know, feel like I can go and do and be active, you know, and I want to be feeling like I'm reading and I'm, um, I'm growing mentally uh, and just trying to constantly be a lifetime learner, um, that I want to have a sense of financial independence and that I wanted to be able to give freely when I was called to give and um, and then I want to have some meaningful friendships that I was traveling and doing things with. So, I mean, it, it started to create some clarity of like, where, where do I have to put some extra energy? Because uh, my big phrase is, as you sow, so shall you reap. So if you hope to be somewhere down the road, you got to start sowing seeds to get there in the future. Because if you don't put any energy into it, you can't really expect to have what you want in the future. And, and I found that powerful that you as a financial planner working with other people on their future, me as a former one, like the incredible changes I went through immediately. I hired a, I hired a coach to help me with my diet and exercise program. I immediately made sure that I scheduled time to, to chat with my kids. And I know you were joking earlier about the Netflix and the chips, but really if it's to be a reader, you kind of got to put down the, the, the chips and the Netflix to be able to free up time to do that. So that's some absolutely powerful stuff. Uh, before we go to Paulette, who's joining us, our phenomenal writer, Paulette. Paula, for you, if, if you're thinking about yourself 20 years in the future, you're writing this letter to yourself, let's not ask the same question. Let's ask the question Jason and I just talked about. Who do you see yourself as 20 years in the future? Like what? How would you like to be 20 years from now? Jeez, I, I mean when I think about how much my life will change in the next 20 years in ways that are unpredictable, I don't know if I will have kids in the next 20 years. Well, that was mine. I mean, that's what you know, or, and, and similarly with like Texarkana, like, I don't know what city I'll be living in, in the next 20 years. And a lot of that would depend on, uh, if I get married and if so, to whom. So certainly I I could say I'd like to be a responsible, um, you know, charismatic, well-loved, ethical, you know, full of integrity, like business owner. There that's, we go. That's probably the, yes. the most yes. that I could say. Yeah. Get rid of all um, that junk from before about what you're not going to be and focus on what you are going to be. Yeah. But I mean, but beyond that, you know, beyond, beyond knowing that my aspiration is to continue running afford anything, 
there is no other part of my life that I'm able to predict. But that's cool. I mean, because you see how you're marrying the two that we talked about earlier. You still have the serendipity and some pieces that you can't predict, but there are still places where you know from a ground perspective who you want to be at the very least. There's still something to hold on to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my one anchor in a sea of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Paula Pant. Paulette. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> From Paula to Paulette. Uh, 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 Paulette, you've gone through this exercise. Hi. Uh, yes, I actually have my dream obit on my website alongside a photo I did with Aging Booth app, which is a really fun app. Um, Wait a minute. What, is the, what does the Aging Booth app do? So it makes you look like an old person. I'm actually looking at it right now. Um, and I have my sagging jowls. And my wrinkles all around my eyes and my forehead. And it says, Paulette Perhatch, age 100, spontaneously combusted while on horse safari in Zimbabwe. <laughs> this, this piece, though, Paula, actually says that, that using an app like that where you can imagine yourself versus the German past chancellor, the more you see yourself or some iteration of yourself, the more likely it is that you're able to start planning the future. I know. And I think that's, I think that's kind of difficult right now because the world is changing so fast. And even having hope for the future can feel hard sometimes. But it was really interesting when you said, write a letter to your future self. I got this really interesting feeling where this, this like swell of love came up. And I was like, whoa, that's way different in my life because I used to be very like just for now and really screwed myself over in a way I totally had to dig myself out of in my late 20s. And now I have such a different attitude about my future self. And one of my little mantras for myself is I take such good care of me. Like I'm so good to me. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, if I wrote that letter, I'd be like, I'm, I hope you are enjoying those abs that I have been working on five days a week for you. (laughs) And you know, all that money I saved up for you and all those passive income streams that I'm like working my butt off right now for. And yeah, really trying to, I think there's a level of kind of hope that you have to have and forethought. And it can be really hard, especially when it takes a really long time to set everything up. But it's tough. I actually did. I spent a ton of money this weekend and my sister and I were talking about it um, because I'll call her and I'll be like, I am on a spending binge, right? And we talked about this article I wrote where you don't want to say, oh, I was bad this weekend. You want to say, did I get closer or further from my goals? Oh, that's good. And so I have to really hang on because, you know, I love the ADHD dopamine machine of bloop, order placed. We, here comes Mr. Santa Claus UPS. So I really have to be on myself about focusing on that future. So got to work on my vision board. That's Next a, weekend. <laughs> that, that's absolutely fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Len Penzo, you're writing that letter to yourself in the future. What does that say? You've done a good job of planning for this retirement you have coming up, but now you have this time, right, where everything's about to change. So the stuff Paul is talking about uh, really, I think, also applies to you. Yeah, you know, as you get older, the future thing isn't that much of a mystery. I mean, you kind of have it all mapped. You don't have as many years left, so you kind of know what you want to do for your remaining years. Um, What you don't want to do at my age is you don't want to be looking back saying, why didn't I do X or Y or Z when I was 20 or 30 years old? So, which is makes it all the more important why you really should take this exercise seriously when you're younger and plan everything out. Because like I said, it, it goes fast. The older you get, the faster it goes. And it's, you don't 
you don't want to be looking back saying, why didn't I do this when I was younger or what have you. But so when you look at the next several years, if you go through that exercise like Jason and I did, where you're writing a letter to your future self, or you're thinking about who you want to be 20 years from now, what does that look like? Well, I want to be healthy. (laughs) I don't want to be in a hospital on a machine. I don't want to be, uh, you know, I I want to be able to take care of myself. I want to be financially self-reliant. I want to be growing still, even you know, 20 years from now, I want to be growing right up till the day I die and, and, and expanding my mind and my knowledge and learning things. I always want to be learning. I always want to be growing. Um, I don't want to do what my grandfather did, which was he retired and he sat in front of a television set and he basically passed away in very short time after that because he didn't do anything. Didn't, he, did, he didn't, yeah. He didn't grow. He didn't do anything. He just retired and sat and watched TV and died. That's what I don't want to do. We did a show several years ago with with a researcher at, I believe, at USC who uh, did a study on nuns and retired uh, older nuns and, 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 and why nuns live longer, which is because, frankly, they don't really retire. They continue to have this thing that they have to do and this uh, ministry that they're a part of, and they have this service mentality. So they live for, I, I wish I remembered the number of years, but it was an astounding amount of time. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm excited for this, for this next journey in my life. I mean, there's so many things I want to do. I mean, I really want to learn a, a, another language. I mean, I do know Spanish, but not fluently. I want to be able to to become fluent in that language. I I want to um, I want to start new businesses. You know, I'm looking forward, of course, to you know grandkids down the road. I want to go places and see things and do things. I, there's just so much, you know. So and, and I what I just want to keep growing. I think that's the most important thing. We're talking to Wes Moss uh, recently, I believe the average reti- successful retiree has seven things that they want to do when they retire. Not do a little bit that they really want to dive into those. Chris Luger from Heavy Metal Dot Money is here with us. How are you, man? I, hey, thank you so much for uh, inviting me on. I'm doing well. Um yeah, it's interesting. I know ne- I didn't look as far ahead, like you know, writing a letter to yourself or as I was on my deathbed kind of thing. But the one thing that really helped me was when I did the 10 year planning workshop with uh with paula and you know a great group of people wait a minute with paula pant yeah paula pant but paula's telling us she can't live 10 years in the future and she's (laughs) helping you look 10 years into the future it was it was great no there was a lot of different sessions that we that we went through but the one that really stuck out to me which i have not really looked at it this way was building that timeline and starting with the end in mind so we took from 2021 went out to 2031 and then worked our way backwards. And I had on my list of things that I wanted to do, like let's migrate from my residential, you know, real estate investment to commercial. Let's make my little nonprofit a lot bigger. Let's, you know, downsize because my kids are gone. All of these things were going to happen. And looking at a timeline, you can kind of put them, you know, what makes sense and where, like in the next couple of years, decide, am I going to keep working W2 or, or not? And you can put it on that timeline of when you're going to be financially free. And um, so that timeline practice for me was was a great, great way to kind of look at it. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And I'm going to ask Jason yeah. about that as well. Uh, Jason, because what Chris is talking about sounds exactly like w- what you do in your practice. I mean, I would imagine you're, to, you know, Chris said, beginning with the end in mind, you probably start with a goal and work backwards. I could, I, I would believe 
Yeah, we uh, we can, we have a goal board that we walk people through, and it's kind of has four quadrants and uh, things that you have to do uh, and things that you want to do, and then it has now versus later, and we run them through a series of prompts and really kind of help them think about all the things they really have to figure out and have to put attention to and the things that they want to do, maybe like buy a cabin or travel somewhere uh, unique. And so um, we start there because some people come in saying, yeah, I just need to start saving more. And then you start walking through a goal board and you start thinking, they start to realize all the things that they would really like to accomplish that they hadn't really looked at or thought about until you were, you prompted them with it. So that helps us try and figure out, okay, there's a lot of, um, competing goals, things, you know, they only have a limited amount of resources. So how are we going to try and help them make as much progress in a limited amount of time with the limited amount of money? But it's up to them because they have to clarify their priorities. But I also find that, and we, we explain this with like, my dad used to smoke a pack or two of cigarettes a day. And he uh, no matter how much me and my brothers would say, dad, you got to quit smoking. It's horrible for you, whatever. He never had any interest of quitting. And then 1998, our daughter was born. He comes up to the hospital, holds the first female Hollenquist and never smoked a cigarette after that. Immediately had a reason. Immediately he saw what was more important to him than that next cigarette was watching this girl grow up. And I share that with clients because I'm like, you have to have clarity around where you want to be in the future. The more clarity you can get of what you want life to be like, the more apt you are to make the the changes and in, and take the energy necessary to to get where you want to go. Because I think so many people just live day to day and they're just so caught up in getting on to the next day or through the next week or whatever that they don't really have the time or they don't spend the time looking down the road and really thinking what they have to start changing or initiating now in order to get where they hope to be someday. They really didn't take time to think about it. Yeah, well, hopefully after today, with this uh, great uh, introduction to this discussion for a lot of people, we change that. Because clearly, based on all of this evidence, it appears that trying to marry your future self to your current self, as much as you're possibly able to, is very helpful in savings and health and and in all other areas of your life. Well, that's going to do it for today. Let's find out what's going on where all of you live and work. We'll have our special guest, Jason Hollenquist, go last. So let's start off with Mr. Penzo. Len Penzo, what's uh, what's going on at LenPenzo.com? Well, at LenPenzo.com, we this week we're going into the looking at the science of lotteries and picking numbers uh, and how to win the best way to win the lottery. So uh, come on over and get a little statistical lesson and might might benefit you. Might profit. You might profit. By, my profit from, at lenpenzo.com from winning the lottery more often you've you've hit the lottery of blog post when you go to lenpenzo.com paula what's going on at afford anything my friend on the afford anything podcast well every other episode you and i answer questions that come in from the community And the episodes in between, we do interviews. So we have an interview with Dr. Ellen Vora. She is, uh, she's a doctor who discusses anxiety, um, the anatomy of anxiety and how we can deal with this and how that plays a role. And, you know, oftentimes we feel anxious about things that are either things inside of our control, like our careers, um, our budgeting, uh, or things that are outside of our control, like the stock market, 
the, the greater macro economy, right? So how do we deal with that fear? How do we deal with the anxiety? Uh, we talk about that. And so that's on the Afford Anything podcast. Awesome. Paula, I, I got to see Paula's Rolodex. I mean, where does she come up? Where, where, where do you come up with all these people, Paula? <laughs> Oftentimes they are authors who are releasing a, a book. So that's... Uh, play, Paula, play along. I knew that. <laughs> just, yeah, just, <laughs> he's, he's teeing it up for you, Paula. And you're just swinging and missing. I'm, I'm very literal. <laughs> Paula's like, I have a Rolodex from my Mensa group. Paula's like, what's a Rolodex? <laughs> That's exactly. Oh, you know we, what? That's right. I screwed that Lost up. her at the right. first term right there. Yes. Well, the good news is our Rolodex is working because we had Jason Allenquist with us. So glad you could be on the show, my friend. Yeah, this was a blast. Thanks for having me on. If people want to dive in and learn more about your team and about what you guys do, maybe get some financial planning help. How do they find you? At AISplanning.com is probably the easiest way to reach out to us. And I'm Jason at AISplanning.com if you want to reach me by email. If, if people want to talk more about the bone phone. <laughs> Well, I, I can uh, I probably can stir up a picture or two of those if you'd like to see what one ever look like. I would love Best that. I would love that if a stacker reached out to Jason. I just wanted to talk I think, more. I feel like I'm going to use that term later this weekend. The bone phone. <laughs> No. Somehow or another, that's going to come into my conversation. Oh boy, that is our uh, our cue to wrap this thing up. Thanks to and everybody. Suddenly we just got the explicit warning on the next. <laughs> thanks to everybody for hanging out with us here on Fireside. Chris, thanks for coming up and, and chatting with us. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back here on Fireside again next week playing. So, uh, so come join us again. What a great time. All right, Doug, we're going to leave it to you, man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, want to know the future? Spend some time thinking about what you want, and you'll know more about where you're headed. Brilliant! Second, and you're probably going to want to write this down, if you want to bag that 16-point buck of a financial future, sometimes you need to bait your proverbial deer stand with pizza. But the big lesson? Back when I was in college, my future self was going to use my alchemy degree to fund a Bob Marley herb garden and hair salon, but then I got older and smarter, so I edited my vision to become a wealthy podcaster. LTD, baby. LTD. Thanks to Jason Hollenquist for joining us today. You can find Jason's services at AISplanning.com or on a beach in Aruba. Thanks to Paula Pant for joining us today. You'll find her podcast, Afford Anything, in the discount aisle at Tiffany's or wherever you're listening to us right now. Thanks to Len Penzo for joining us. You can find Len Penzo at lenpenzo.com slash our amps go to 11. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is written in part by Paulette Perhatch, who helps writers power their words, their work, and their earning potential with her Powerhouse Writers Coaching Program. Find out more at powerhousewriters.com. Thanks also to our team who made today possible. Karen Repine is our producer. Tina Eichenberg and Gertrude Smith are our social media mavens, and Brooke Miller handles the show notes and our amazing newsletter, The 201. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. 
This show is for entertainment purposes only. Well, you know, we tried. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. That's it for today. We'll see you back here on Monday on Stacking Benjamins. Welcome to the after show. You know, we were talking about these products. We started off with the iPhone and because it's Johnny Appleseed day, of course we had to talk Apple products, but that led us to lens 40 CD changer and uh, to, to Jason's brother's bone phone. 400. 400. 400. What'd I say? Four CD changer. You said 40, 40. Yeah. 400 CD changer. All the CD changer. <laughs> yes. He's still got some pride about the the major <laughs> whoa, mistake whoa, whoa. he made, but damn it, get the number right. I might have screwed up spending all that money, but it was four hundred. Yes, Paula, you must also have a tech product that you bought that was maybe suboptimal. Uh, well, I did have a a car like a car CD changer. That um, that's that's fine. Yeah, well, it was it was like the kind that's in the trunk, you know. Yeah. Like, so you have to go all the way to the trunk to be able to take stuff in and out. So luckily, was it 400 CDs that you could have in your trunk? No, it was like six. See, that's fantastic. But that was a big, I had one of those too, Paula. That's a huge commitment you have to make. Like you're getting ready to go on a road trip. You're you're spending 45 minutes just picking out those six CDs. Deciding which set makes all the difference. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's, that's it though. That's as far as you go. A six CD changer. (laughs) <laughs> I, well, okay. Suboptimal tech product. I did have a terrible podcasting microphone once. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, no. oh, I, it's true. <laughs> this is, this is now got into the Uber nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's this time doing a podcast where I, where I, I had the Yeti. I have my pop filter on. Speaking of that, I had the Yeti, the blue Yeti, and people that don't know that microphone, you talk into the side of it. When I first bought it for the first like three months, Paula, I talked into the top and I could not figure out why the hell my voice wasn't loud enough. <laughs> and and I also didn't know there were levelating programs out there. So I would manually move my voice up every single time. We'd have a guest on, they'd sound great. I sound horrible. Move my voice up, move my voice up, move my voice up. And then I remember when somebody's like, yeah, you talk out of the side of it. And all of a sudden my problems went away. <laughs> it was not good. Uh, Jason, your brother had the bone phone, but did you have any suboptimal tech products? Do you ever uh, have the Palm Pilot? Oh, I dug my Palm Pilot. It wasn't incredibly yeah. useful, but but I like the fact that you had your own special language. Uh, I know. I, I kind of got it, but, you know, as soon as you actually had it all part of a phone, I was like, oh, now it makes sense. But having the separate thing you have to type every bit of information into, 
yeah, it was, but I kind of thought it was fun having a list of phone numbers and stuff to carry around with. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought Jason could double down by going, you heard of a Palm pilot. I didn't have that. I had the finger pilot, which was the knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> Was, was the twenty dollar yeah. version that somebody else made? Like my, my parents got us a ColecoVision gaming system, and that was I. I think I, the six people that bought one of those loved it. Joe, I've got one in my family room right now. I, I was cleaning out my parents' basements, and I brought home the ColecoVision <laughs> with all the Atari cartridges and everything. So I just got to get the adapter so I can hook it up to a present day TV, but. I can't wait to see how archaic the game. That's incredible. Then, so. See now, now it's back. Yeah. Everything goes around. I mean, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. You know, I, I had the ColecoVision too, and it was cool at the time. It was really cool, but you know what? I go far as far back as when Pong first came out. Do you remember when well, maybe Joe yes. does? Do you remember when Pong for, and we got one for Christmas and you know, it had four games in it. And it was all the same games, just different <laughs> variations. Of, there was there was right. two player pong, there was four player pong, and there was handball, which was one pong and you hit it off a wall. Back right, and, and that entertained our family for for weeks on end. We just thought that was the we were sitting in front of that thing for. Ever, we thought it was the greatest thing, and you, you, and that explains a, a lot about the pen. Of- that explains a lot about the Penzo family, right there. I know, but can you imagine putting a kid in front of that today? That oh. they would laugh you out of the room. To hey, you want to play this? I mean, even a five-year-old kid would 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 wouldn't even want to play that game. Bored in bored in forty seconds. Uh, 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 Chris says the handspring visor ran Palm OS. I did, do you guys know what a handspring yes. visor is? I had one. I had one, Chris. Yeah, hey, uh, this is Chris again. Um, yeah, isn't that the handspring advisor was awesome because it had that whole separate expansion module. Yep. And yep. I actually had the the connector, um, like an actual like fifty six k modem expansion module for it. It it was ridiculous, but it was fun. It was awesome. You could put a camera. I had a camera on the top. There was another one that you could. I think you might have been able to make it a phone at well, right before they died. I think you yep. might have been able to make a phone out of it. And I also had a fold out keyboard, a little keyboard that, oh. that I could fold out and plug that Hands- in. Yeah. Oh, I was all about was the awesome. handspring. Have you guys ever read the book Crossing the Chasm? Yeah, um, I'm not, not sure. I have. Yeah, so are um, we brothers, Chris, and we don't know it? <laughs> well, I was gonna say, so are, are we best friends? I maybe are we friends? <laughs> yeah, I've spent and and basically pissed away so much money on on tech, being an early adopter. But oh well, but that's the fun that's of the it. Price. It's no, the price of it's the price of being an early adopter, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Crossing the chasm is a just to circle back to that. Any you know, all seven people who are listening, that's a good <laughs> book. That is that is worth your time. Uh, it's a, it's a really good book. What's it about? Just being yeah. a tech early adopter? No, it, it's really more about h- how do you find your market? How do you find your clients? How do you identify where your clients are in their you know what type of clients are they? And you know certainly er- certainly early adopter is one type of client. Um, but it's, it's really a book about business and gotcha. with maybe a bent towards marketing. Chris, how did I do? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, so exactly. they certainly found you as the early adopter companies that wanted <laughs> to find you. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll end this after show with my little uh, jaunt on memory lane. Uh, I was kind of forced into buying uh, Microsoft Zune 
I worked with a bunch of people when I was a financial planner with a lot of Microsofties. And I took a bunch of old Microsoft technology and an Apple iPod into their office one day. And they said, great, you're running uh, like three generation old software with this program, this thing you're showing us. And uh, you also have our competitors uh, uh, music player. So that's great. So I immediately went to Target to buy a Zune. Paula, you ever hear of a Zune? My friend Kim had a Zune. Um, and she hated it. So that's that's all I know about it. I know I know my friend Kim had it, and I know she hated it. So <laughs> you, you guys might like this. There was a, a museum that was local here outside of Minneapolis. It was like the Failure Museum or something. I think it travels. It travels the country. Anyway, so it was here for a brief time, and you'd go in, and it was all of these products that were utter failures. And I owned pretty much every one, but Zoom <laughs> was one of them. There was uh, it was just really fun to see all of these products over the years that, you know, some I thought were successful. Like they actually had a Segway. I thought the oh, Segway yeah. was relatively yeah. successful, sure. but apparently sure. it was a failure in their eyes. But it was really fun if you look them up online. I'm, I don't know what city it's at now, but it was a fun. Uh, it was a fun afternoon. Well, this is how bad the Zune was when I went to buy it. I walk into a Target, I see it in the display case, and I ask the kid working there if I can buy it. And, and he goes, you want to buy what? I said, that box there. And he's, he's walking around to unlock the case. He's like, so what exactly is this? Because me and this other guy were wondering what this product is. And I said, well, it's a music player, like an iPod. He's like, oh, cool. As he's dusting like an inch of dust off the top of it, right, to hand it to me. He's like, oh, that's cool. We were wondering what that was well is it any good i'm like oh, i don't know I, I mean the fact that you don't know what it is and you're probably their target market says a lot but uh yeah very proud of my proud of my zoom len you probably did you have a zoom no i did <laughs> i did not just the thought of them dusting off it was great pulling something out of the case with an inch of well you got to explain to the dude selling it to you what it is it's probably probably not a not a hit all right. You know, the Zune is actually a, a nice little product, though, because you I still have mine because you can put videos on it as well. And there, yes. With you. And it had a big, and it had a, <laughs> don't encourage him. Do not poke the bear. <laughs> well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout outs to all of our friends who have served in the military and let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend og who spent time in the military and of course we know what a giver he is even when he pretends like he's being uh, mr surly navy federal offers member only exclusive rates discounts and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals visit navyfederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all their military appreciation month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.